All right. And it is November of 2021 already. I mean, I feel like I am still trying to process 2020. Just going to be honest. Another thing I'm going to be honest about is that I am really behind on dropping a lot of these podcast episodes. But what I will not do is apologize for living life. You know, I'm a mom. I compete. I train. I do a lot of things. I have a very full plate. So if you've been waiting for the high sign or needed a permission slip, this is it. You do not have to get all of the things done and you do not have to apologize for not getting it all done or just thinking your to-do list is just stacking up and piling up. And the fact that you're not checking off all the things means that you're failing, which you're not. You're just living life and being present. And that's totally okay. With that being said, October was Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So there was a couple of episodes I was really, really, you know, inspired and motivated to get done. And this topic is particularly special to me because my mom is a breast cancer survivor. So it was really important for me to have a couple of conversations, one with today's guest, I'll get into that in just a little bit, but another with my mom and her story on how she was able to overcome that particular point in her life. And it it's been amazing to be able to have these conversations and I'm really excited. But did you know that one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer? I think those numbers are just scary. And I definitely don't want to create this high anxiety around this topic, but I definitely want to, you know, raise awareness about it, letting each other know like, hey, we should be talking about this. We should be advocating for healthy habits, whether that be our daily, weekly, monthly, or, you know, yearly habits around this. And another thing is, is that men are totally, you know, capable of getting breast cancer. That's something else that a lot of people think is a misconception, but is very, very true. But something that I found really helpful for myself was this healthy living and personal risk guide that you can actually find on the National Breast Cancer Foundation website. So I'll definitely be linking that in the show notes today. So if you want to grab one of those and, you know, start advocating for your own journey with your health in that sort of respect, totally do it. Now to get into today's episode, today's guest... I have to say, her approach, her perspective with this topic is, I don't want to say refreshing, that doesn't sound appropriate, but it's, it's just so inspirational, given her age, how young she is, but how optimistic and forward-thinking she's been through her entire journey, and you know, her journey with breast cancer it went like 200 miles an hour from detection, diagnosis, treatment, and kind of the aftermath and everything that she's going through. It just blew my mind as we had this conversation. And, you know, the things that she's wanting to do now after this has all happened. And it was really surprising for me to even find out there aren't a whole lot of supports for younger women when it comes to breast cancer. I think when we hear those words, we think of women over their 40s or even older. We're, we're not thinking of literally, like to me, it's kids, like in their young, like early 20s. I don't think we think of that. And so when she first came into this part of her journey, she was hoping to find some support and, you know, wasn't able to. But 
communities within communities, we always find some sort of way. And you're going to hear about how she was able to navigate that and create her own and how she's wanting to help other people who might be facing breast cancer, any form of cancer, any sort of terminal illnesses or injuries, and just needing someone there to say, hey, it's okay, but we're here. We want to help and meet you where you're at and do what we can to support and love each other. So it was really awesome to have this conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear from our guests today. So let's go. They're really rough and nothing's working, but there's something inside of you that says, I just have to follow that because you don't know who you're going to be. This is Cola Shippentower. Some people know me for my professional fight career in MMA or even my journey with jiu-jitsu and pro grappling. Others know me for my advocacy for everything indigenous. And some know me for my unique ability of pissing people off while cultivating change at the same time. My goal is not to make everyone mad though. I want to spark your imagination through your heart and mind while encouraging, challenging, and even empowering you to think differently with compassion and love. I don't need a shit ton of followers or fans, only you, the listener, who's willing to challenge societal norms and standards to create a better world for all of us to thrive in. Let's go. Okay, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I am feeling this overwhelming amount of excitement when it comes to this topic. And I say this for good reason. It's not because I'm like breast cancer. It's because I have the blessing in my life of knowing individuals that have navigated their way through this and are absolute fighters. I pride myself on being a really good physical fighter like MMA, but when we're talking about cancer, I think all of us can share our own stories about how we've had family members or even ourselves have dealt with this and navigating it. But this month is particularly special because my mom is actually a breast cancer survivor. So um, we'll save that for a later time. But today I'd really like to talk with our next guest, Myla, Mila, why am I saying that funny? Like, oh my goodness. Before <laughs> it's I okay. give away who you are and how we've met, please just give the listeners a quick introduction of you. Hi, yeah, I'm Mila. I'm based in LA right now in California. And um, I was actually born in Bulgaria. So um, kind of first generation immigrant um, family. We moved here when I was about three years old. Um, so mainly grew up here, but um, kind of have, you know, that different cultural perspective. And I am only 25 years old, um, got diagnosed last year. Um, no, actually, seven, eight months ago with breast cancer. And um, I, overall, my life has shifted a little bit, but pre breast cancer, I guess I would say, you know, I had a lot of different passions. I've, um, I was an avid swing dancer before the pandemic. So, um, loved dancing to different live bands and stuff and partner dancing and, um, hoping to get back to that soon. And that actually is what has led me for the past year and a half to be super passionate about dance fitness, something that I could do at home. And, um, you know, my, I 
my other kind of hobbies. Um, I just love being able to um, connect with people and um, having just different conversations like book clubs and things like that. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So Bulgaria. I mean, yes. I didn't even know about that. You've probably mentioned it during one of our calls before, but what's, what's that like? Um, it's really, I'd say kind of the biggest kind of contrast is um, being like family. So kind of relationships with family. I remember myself when I was younger um, growing up and my friends were like, oh, I have to go visit my grandparents this weekend or this and that. And I was just jealous of them. You know, my grandparents were all the way overseas and um, were still a big part of my life as much as they could be. And uh, I just remember, you know, growing up, I would go and spend like three months out of the summer there. And it was almost like I had two different childhoods, um, really, because it was just such a different culture and just a different way of life. You know, my friends and I over there would be out until like 9 p.m. just roaming around the streets, hanging out, you know, and biking around and playing and that's not really a thing here as much, you know? So I would say kind of that's the biggest difference is kind of relationships with family and just the way we grew up. Okay. So I may be really ignorant to the, to geographically where Bulgaria is and just like what the dam demographic might look like and like the language spoken. So what's oh, yeah. that? So um, it's actually just um, northeast of Greece. Um, it has, it borders the Black Sea. Um, and so it's Eastern European um, culture. They actually were under communist rule um, until maybe about like the 70s, I want to say. Like my parents, like early childhood was kind of like under that um atmosphere and uh yeah so the language spoken is bulgarian it's uh, a cyrillic cyrillic alphabet so kind of sounds similar to russian um just a little bit less harsh i guess in terms of the pronunciation of things um but similar alphabet and yeah so do you speak bulgarian yeah i do oh wow that's so awesome yeah, so, I grew up, my grandma teaching me to read and everything in Bulgarian, so. That is really, really interesting. And you're talking about how you were raised. So um, you mentioned that you're 25 years old. I am 32. So staying out clear until the sun was coming down, riding our bikes, being outside, that was like my generation. That's what we did. So yeah. I am so happy to hear that that's how you grew up because I think very much now, and especially in the U.S., because of the heightened awareness around, you know, abuse or neglect or even sexual assault, uh, parents are a little bit more wanting to protect their children slash mm -hmm. maybe shelter them a little bit more and keep them closer. I know personally for me, having three kids, I definitely do like do not like them to stray away too far from home, but I could definitely see the differences between how I grew up as opposed to how my children are growing up. But I love the fact that our childhoods are very similar uh, because you mm -hmm. mentioned even book club. I loved reading clear until, I don't know, there was this weird phase I think I went through 
18 to 25. I just kind of lost interest in reading. I used to be a complete bookworm and just wanted to read all the time. And I mean, so it sounds like we had similar upbringing, which is really cool. I love that that's what it's like over there. Is that still kind of, when was the last time you went to Bulgaria? Um, I would say I was there maybe two or no. Yeah, it was just before the pandemic hit. So yeah, that summer 2019. And does it seem kind of still the same as when you were living there? Um, I think in some areas, yes. And maybe like the smaller towns. Um, But yeah, in the larger towns, it's not quite the same anymore, at least in terms of kids upbringing and things like that. So I think the world as a whole is kind of, you know, a little bit more sheltered and a little bit more. um, And it's interesting because, you know, back then, like, we didn't have cell phones or whatever. So we were running around, you know, now you can send your kid out with a cell phone and track them and a location and everything, but they're not sending them out, you know? So it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic there. Very interesting. That is so cool though. I don't get to meet people very often that have moved to the U S from a different country. I mean, I know a lot of people in Europe, but they Mm -hmm. stay there. They, they have no yeah. interest in moving to the U.S., but um, it's just really interesting to hear the dynamics between living here and then living there, because I think there is a huge difference between coming from Europe and then visiting for like a few months or so in the U.S. Yeah. and then going back home, as opposed to, you know, completely moving over here and just being here as home. So that's, that's definitely very interesting for me to hear. So let's talk about the swing dancing. Not a lot of oh, people yeah. do that. No, it's like, it's a dying art form. It's really sad, but it's so fun and it's so cool. Um, I'm lucky to be in an area where um, it's kind of pretty popular. Um, We have, you know, had any number of dance events, you know, through the week, a lot of dance lessons and kind of the main format of it was, you know, it was very much like a social dance. So you would go for maybe an hour and have maybe a swing dance lesson. But then after that, it was four hours of kind of practice and social dancing. So, you know, you dance with anyone, you would change partners like every couple songs or every song, um, just depending and um, super fun and would have, you know, competitions where there's people, they travel around the world and do this stuff and they'll do super cool tricks and aerials and, you know, jumps and stuff. And it's so fun to watch. And it's so fast paced too. And the music is lovely. It's like transporting back in time. I've always wanted to do more structured dancing ever since I was little, I I would watch the competitions on TV and just the outfits, how in sync partners are, and just the whole structure. The idea of it was always really, you know, interesting. And, and just, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. You wanted to be one of those girls in those really Mm -hmm. cute outfits doing the thing, but swing dancing. I mean, you're like throwing people up in the air over your shoulder and round. So that's gotta be just almost this slight adrenaline rush almost. It is. And I, um, you know, I was starting to kind of like build up strength and practice. And I, that was my goal. Like I wanted to be part of like a dance team and start to learn, you know, more of those like jumps and stuff. And, um, it's, it's so fun to watch. It can be so fast paced and it's so fun to dance it too. And it's, 
it's like a conversation, you know, with your dance partner. And it can be so, so cool to see the differences and how you communicate and like dance with uh, different people. And I'm sure, you know, it's similar, you know, you kind of are anticipating, but like in tune with your partner's movements. And I'm sure like with fighting all your fighting stuff, like you have to be, you have to be so aware and grounded in that. Um, and so it's also such a great form of, yeah, just being in tune with your body and focusing on that and getting out of, you know, your headspace. Yeah. And I love that you brought this comparison because in my mind, it's like, okay, so then you have your foundational movements, you have all the things that really build the dance with you and your partner, but then you have the freedom of expression through maybe your routine that you're building or uh, just how you're going to flow with your partner. So I, I think it's awesome because not a lot of people do that anymore. And I'm still, yeah. I mean, I wanted to as a little girl, but now that I'm an adult, I'm like, I really should at some point like try it. That's, that's really, really awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about how you made this shift with dance. And I think this is going to lead into yeah. how we've met. So let's, let's get into Definitely. that. Yeah. So how yeah. has your journey with dance transitioned up to this point? It's so funny because with swing dancing, like I went once and I was like, okay, I'm coming back every week. I don't care. Like I'm doing the lessons. I don't care how bad I am. Like I'm so committed. And I wasn't for whatever reason in that atmosphere, like I wasn't self-conscious about, you know, how good I was or whatever. And I, uh, I remember you know, I did dance classes in high school and I was always nervous, you know, am I going to get the pattern right? Am I going to do this? And I think I loved that it was like structured, but you, yeah, you could do your own expression with it. And when, you know, I had thought about doing like dance fitness and stuff like in person, like I had done some Zumba classes before, but again, you know, I didn't know all the movements. And so I was nervous to do it in front of other people. And so then the pandemic hit and I started doing, you know, dance fitness videos online and at home. And that was like, you know, in my own space, I could practice, you know, all the movements and not feel self-conscious if I mess up or whatever. And it's not, you know, a dance team routine or anything like that. And I found um, Tansy, which the turnip squad, and I found just her videos on YouTube. Like I didn't know there was a whole big thing. And, um, yeah, I found her videos on YouTube and then found her on Instagram and then joined the squad a little over a year ago. And yeah, and that's how we met is through the turnip squad and on power hours. I was like, okay, Cola is a badass. <laughs> I need to know her. And I'm so glad and that I have that opportunity. It's been such a change, you know? Okay. So we've gotten to like my most favorite part of these types of conversations when I get to talk with girls from the turn up squad. And I am almost certain that a majority of my listeners are like, what is this? And I love to hear everybody's different and unique answers. What is the turn up squad? It is, I don't know. Like the first word that kind of comes to mind is like, it's a family. We all, um, I think the, the most wonderful thing that I've found is that we've all as a collective been able to, you know, learn new things together, share our experiences, but 
um, mainly, you know, we take in so many different perspectives and take that little piece of it that like resonates with us and we're able to continue on with that. But we're able to be so respectful of everyone else's story and their um, kind of journey. You know, it's it's been really unique to find that right now in this world, you know, there's so many struggles and differences coming up and it's always a comparison and that just breeds like hatred you know and so to find kind of this community where yeah we connected through dance fitness but we're really be able to kind of call each other family and really be connected in that way regardless of our backgrounds. That's one of my favorite parts about the Turnip Squad is that we are all so diverse and unique and different, but we have this one common calling, which is dance fitness. But then we have figured out the goals and the intention and the purpose behind coming together as a collective with all these different perspectives. I mean, we, we all have the same goal in mind, but we all have our different approaches to it. And then we all have this, this common foundation of dance fitness and this culture that Tansy has been able to create along with Amani and Christy and Dina and, and Kim. I mean, it's just been so amazing. And like you said, it's very rare to find a group of women that will just be able to get along. And I think we have this unique uh, almost filter and almost a barrier, which is this virtual connection. So usually when you do get into groups of women, like large groups, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of bickering. I think we've all experienced that at some point in our lives, but having this virtual community, I think, like I said, provides that filter to where all the BS, all the arguing, all the pettiness and drama and comparison, it just doesn't have any place. It doesn't have any room to exist in this group, which I have found really good for me because I've I've kind of struggled with maintaining or holding relationships in person just because what you see in person isn't always what you get online or what you see online isn't always what you get in person, but it's been insane in this group is just the way we've been able to connect has really allowed for us to be completely vulnerable with one another and been able to connect. And with that being said, what would you say is your, your favorite part of the squad? Honestly, you know, one, like the dance fitness is so fun and the best that I've seen, but two, it's, yeah, that fact that we are able to let down that filter and be vulnerable with one another. I think that's really hard to do sometimes in personal relationships, like in person, like you were saying. And I think um, I love that aspect. And I also love the collaboration, you know, of finding that help from others and really being able to be open about it. And there's always going to be someone who is able to like offer that perspective. And there's always someone who's there to like kind of help understand your struggle. Yeah. Like we're as cliche as it sounds is we're not alone, but we literally yeah. are not alone. And we've proven that so many times throughout the squad and in our group, when we can post and when we can share like in squad calls or power hours, once we 
share maybe a struggle or an obstacle or a challenge that we're going through immediately, like without a doubt, a minimum of five other people will raise their hands and say me too. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. always helped me because I always felt so alone in real life. When I have either the, the close friends that I have, or maybe family members, when I try to share something that I'm going through, they want to give the unsolicited advice of how they think I should be navigating through it, or they'll just either try to gaslight or minimize it, but that doesn't happen in the squad. You get people that are like, I've been there, or I'm doing the same thing, or dang, I thought it was just me, which is what I love about it, because it's not people saying, this is how you should handle it. It's more of, mm-hmm. this is how I handled it. This didn't work. So maybe try something else. Or maybe this is what I did. This did work. You might want to try it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just want to offer it up to you just so you don't have to, you know, prolong this painful process of healing and growth, uh, which has been really, really cool. And it just provides this, this really unique community. So what would you say to someone that might be on the fence about joining or even knowing like, should I, should I do it? What would you say? It's so funny because right now when we were talking about this, um, we were on power hour yesterday and my mom was just listening in, you know, she's working and she was like, wow, Mila, like groups like this could be even so much more impactful than just therapy she's like, you guys are sharing like all different experiences, but she's like, every time someone shares something, someone else like, you know, jumps in and says, this is, you know, this is helpful, like you said, or just to offer that support. And, um, I don't know, I think like down to the core, like that's, that's what it is, is if, if you're on the fence, you know, give it a try because one, you know, you know, you never know. And two, I am not the same person that I was when I joined. And I also, from my personal experience, like I would not be coping through my current diagnosis if I hadn't, like as well as I am, if I didn't have the squad and if I didn't have, you know, everything, all those foundations that I built up through the past year. So yeah. And I mean, you have provided this most beautiful segue into what we're going to talk about today. And I know you've shared with us that you do not want this to define your life and you don't want it to be the, the pinnacle of your journey. But I have to say the way that you have shown up for the squad and shown up for yourself has been just so amazing and inspirational to watch. And I mean, I said it before is I consider myself pretty tough and pretty strong and pretty resilient given the fact that I'm a professional fighter, but I hold a very special place in my heart. I'm going to try my best not to get emotional saying this, but I hold a very special place in my heart for anyone that is battling cancer. I've lost way too many people, especially in the past five years to this. And it's been really, really hard because I see the fight. I see the want to get better. And it's such a different level of courage and bravery that y'all bring 
as opposed to what I bring. Like what I do is easy. At the end of the day, what I do is so easy and it just, it doesn't compare. It really doesn't to the people that I've seen fighting something like this. So I have to say that right from the get-go is just how you've approached it has been so beautiful. And to be so young and have this happening right now, it when I hear it breaks my heart, but then it just reignites this just like, fuck cancer. Like why some of the most <laughs> beautiful people get diagnosed with this. And I, I get to a point, I'm like, I don't fucking get why I know of plenty of other people yeah. that should probably be having to navigate this, but um, I'm, I'm not the one that makes those types of plans. It's not up to me, but share with us so far what your journey with this has looked like. It's been the biggest, you know, if I could explain it in one word would be a whirlwind. And I know that this isn't the journey that a lot of people go through. And I know that mine is, could be unique in this way. Um, and it really comes down to, yeah, you know, my age and how aggressive the cancer was and all sorts of different factors. But um, I, when I was first diagnosed, I just like flew through the medical system, which just was baffling to me. Like that felt unheard of here in the US, like to within you know the next day I was in my breast MRI and I was seeing all the specialists that I need to see and I had everything scheduled and laid out for me and I am so grateful to be in LA and to be right by like you know some of the best specialists and City of Hope um, um, just has been amazing and you know, I'm also, yeah, lucky to be close by, lucky to have um, been connected to those amazing doctors that I have, and to just be in that space where everything moved so quickly, and I, you know, got to do within, I would say, yeah, it was about five weeks since my diagnosis that I was sitting down having my first chemo session, and that was just baffling to me and also just the whirlwind I you know I had my last chemo session and then four weeks later had my surgery and after the surgery like I just kind of they came back with my results and they had gotten all of the like tumors and masses and whatever and I just couldn't process it you know, I had barely processed the diagnosis and all of a sudden, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't in my body anymore. Yes. I have a lot more treatments to go and a lot of other things, but, um, it was just this day and age, the medicine and just everything, um, is just crazy. I am so grateful for that. Wow. That is super quick. That is really quick. And yeah. for someone that, that uh, hasn't had anyone close enough to really explain to me what their journey has been like with breast cancer, of course, the, the family members that I had who were battling, there was different forms of cancer that they were dealing through. And so what, what had like an initiated this diagnosis? Had you done your own like self-exams at home or is it 
Um, has it ran in your family before or what, what kind of sparked this, this part of your journey? Yeah. So actually it's really interesting because my uncle actually on my, my mom's brother in Bulgaria, maybe three years ago was diagnosed with breast cancer at like 45. Um, so, you know, male and young. And, um, I think in my mind, I, you know, he works, um, as an architect, a lot of construction and everything. I think in my mind, I just kind of like assumed maybe it was from that, you know, my mom went and got, um, some genetic testing done and she came back negative. So it was kind of like, okay, like, you know, we're clear in a way. And when I first felt, um, felt this and, you know, went to see my gynecologist, um, that was not our first kind of suspicion. You know, my sister is younger and she has a history of cysts. We thought it was a cyst. I, it was last January, this past January and like end of January, I was doing yoga every day for a month. And that was my new year's resolution. And it was, I, you know, felt it doing yoga and I was like, oh, okay. Like this isn't, this isn't normal. You know, it was still there in a few days. Like I went to go see my gynecologist and we were like, it's probably just a cyst. Like your sister has, you know, and turned out it wasn't. Um, I'm so, you know, thankful that I was, you know, able to get in for an ultrasound and get all the testing done that I needed to do and biopsy and whatever, but, um, feels just totally random. And even since they've done genetic testing on me and there's no known kind of gene variations that they found in me for any sort of cancer, you know, and breast cancer. Um, so it's, yeah, it just feels kind of random. So you're talking about that you felt it when you were doing yoga. I'm, I'm trying to imagine maybe like the sensation or what, what it physically felt like I'm assuming is what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. I was like in Cobra, you know, face like face down and lifting up into Cobra position. If you know what that is. Um, and it was painful. And I was like, okay, you know, it's not my rib cage. There was like a mass. And by the time I went in for, you know, with the biopsy and everything, um, it, it was when they measured it, it was like 9.5 centimeters when they went to do the MRI and everything. Um, and it's really interesting to me because they kind of described, you know, it was, um, invasive ductal carcinoma. And so basically like it originates in the ducts and, um, it almost feels like it just was there. And one day, like it wasn't there. And the next day it was, that's what it kind of felt like to me, you know, because it felt like it had gone so quickly. Um, and they, you know, it was an aggressive form of cancer. Um, so I guess that sort of makes sense, but, um, it's just so wild, you know, to, I don't know, you know, I hadn't, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, breast self exams and all this stuff and whatever. And, you know, one day I'm going to have to do mammograms every mammograms every year. And so it's just, it's not something that you think about, you know, in your early twenties of 
yeah, you know, maybe like I should really be on this, you know? Yeah. When we're talking about your age, a lot of people don't think about it during that time. You kind of have, have other things on your mind. You have other, other plans for yourself, obviously. Um, so this yeah. is a, like a, a prime example that we should be taking our health very seriously at any age and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in the back of our mind, not, you know, creating anxiety or worry about it, but just, you know, being conscious of it, that we, we need to be on these things. So did you, you're describing this mass and it's actually kind of, in my mind, that would be big. Did you, were you able to like visually see it? Like one day you're like, okay, the boobies look normal. And then the next day, whoa, wait, what's going on? It's yeah, it's crazy. So like first it just felt like a little lump, but yeah, by the time, you know, I was starting treatment and like did my MRI and stuff, like my bra, like wouldn't fit on that side you know, like, and so it's just, it's just crazy. That is insane. And very, in my mind, even as you describe it, I'm like, that's just weird. That's just weird. And it was so, and it was just so fast. And obviously, you know, maybe with the biopsy, there was like a little bit of swelling, but no, like that's, that's really what it was. And that's what they measured out on the MRI. And I'm happy to say that that's now when they did the surgery and stuff with all the treatment and everything with the chemo and immunotherapy, which I can get into, um, it had shrunken down to 0.5 centimeters. Wow. And yeah, it was, I mean, my cancer is estrogen and HER2 positive. And so, you know, estrogen feeds it. And um, HER2 is actually a receptor on cells to help them grow. And so it was positive for that, meaning it had many receptors on each cell. And so that's why it was so aggressive um, and would grow so quickly. But that's also how, you know, now in the past 10 years, you know, they've been able to create such targeted treatments and that works so well, you know, the cancer is aggressive, but from, in my case, I was positive for these two receptors. So they've created, um, you know, science is crazy, but they're able to target those specific receptors and really, you know, kill off those cells. And um, that's how I was able to have such a great response to treatment. And yeah, it was crazy even after like, a week after my first chemo session, I could feel it shrinking. And halfway through my six chemo rounds, um, you know, my bra fit normally again. And towards the end, you know, like you couldn't really feel a mass. It just felt normal. Wow. And that is so, it's quick. It's quick. Yeah. Even in my, in my mind, I'm thinking like, wow, that is so fast. You're talking about from the day that you're doing yoga and then five weeks later you're probably singing it in a chair oh five five weeks after my diagnosis so that was after the biopsy results and everything so that was um early april when i got the diagnosis and yeah you know it was it took a little bit longer to get to the biopsy and stuff because i mean one with the pandemic um actually one of the like the imaging centers around in the area had kind of like closed down for a bit or were like really 
um, regulating who was going in and out. But also, you know, again, we thought it was like a cyst. We were like, okay, maybe it's hormonal. Just give it a few weeks, like after your cycle, see how it goes. Um, and then by then, you know, they were booked out for three or four weeks for me to get an ultrasound. And then, you know, but they did the ultrasound and they booked me in for a biopsy like three days later because they were like, yeah, this is not, <laughs> this is not normal. And it looks like urgent. So. So we're talking about how quick this process was, but I'm thinking of probably where your, your mental state was. Cause you're thinking this could just be a cyst. It could just be, you know, genetic, like it, it happens in our family. My sister gets some, so maybe I get yeah. some too. So, I mean, what, how did you feel when they, they came out with your official diagnosis? Honestly, I mean, I was just like shocked and also, I mean, the first thing, like I was shocked, but also just like, how, you know, like thinking like, how did this happen? And, you know, I think also your mind goes to, you know, what could I have done like better, you know? Um, but in reality, one kind of, I would say things like happen as they should have, like in terms of timing, um, I think there was a lot of things like in my life, you know, that happened the first like quarter of this year that like, you know, I'm glad like weren't faced by this. I don't know. It's really interesting looking back on it, but yeah, it, the first moment was just kind of like how and like what and like, what do we do now? And it's interesting because I have my uncle and I also have my grandfather who passed due to colon cancer and but they're in Bulgaria and I think like one, the treatment, I don't know, just the levels of treatment and like low, like can be so different, but also, you know, like I didn't understand it. Like, and I wasn't there for the day to day and neither was my, were my parents. And so we kind of felt kind of just like alone, you know, like we just felt like we didn't know anything, you know, anything about cancer in general um, just the general things. And so it was like, where do we go from here? And, you know, how, how is my life going to change? You've got to feel so beside yourself, like you said, almost alone, because you're not right there in the room with the doctors talking about the plan or exactly to yeah. a T play by play, how it's all going to go. You're kind of in the dark for certain aspects. I mean, you kind of just wondering what the doctor's going to say next when you get into that room like what's what's he going to say where are they going to suggest what are where's yeah. the plan going to go like you you don't have the map laid out in front of you it's like you're given little nuggets along the way of like this is what we're these are your options this is what we suggest this is probably the best route so that's got to be just already intense in itself and I'm thinking of an experience that I had a couple years back um, because, of course, I, I try to do my self-examinations. I'm 32, so I try to stay on top of it. I don't know my medical history for my family because I am adopted, so I don't know if cancer runs in our family on either side. Uh, mm -hmm. So I try to make sure to stay on top of things just so I'm, you know, I, I think of it and I, I just want to make sure. And so I did my own self-exam, and when I did, I, I felt 
a little lump and it made me nervous. So then I went to my doctor and when we get there, he's just, oh, you know, like ducks, they get clogged every once in a while. Yeah. You've had your babies and yeah, you've done like breastfeeding before. So it's not really a big deal, but you're still so young that I don't want to be putting you on a machine that we really don't need to, because it exposes you to a lot of radiation. And so for my perspective, being a young indigenous woman, having to deal with the, the healthcare system that we're, we're given here, mm-hmm. it's, you have to, it's already a whole mind fuck in itself. Cause it's like, is this doctor telling me exactly what he would probably tell like a white woman, or is he just telling me something to get me off his back or what, what is that? And so trying to navigate that part of it. And then also trying to be respectful of my husband because he's had two women in his life that raised him who passed away from cancer. And so I had to keep that in my mind as well is he probably felt so in the dark about it the entire time. So I didn't want to do that to him. So I, right from the get go was letting him know, Hey, I felt a lump. I let the doctor know they don't think it's anything, but it, it was almost immediate concern for him and then worry. And then I felt bad because I was like, what if, what if I should be doing something different? Maybe I'm training too hard. Maybe Mm -hmm. just the amount of pressure that I constantly have my body all the time. Maybe that's like clogging these ducts what if that causes yeah. something to happen so I can only imagine how your mind was like spiraling like what could I do and change and you know I have um the blessing of my mom in my life and she is a retired RN so she has a lot of experience in the medical field but then also yeah. she's a breast cancer survivor so she very much was really helpful in keeping me calm about it and saying you know like times are different now if they if he thinks there's cause for concern, then they'll have different ways of being able to diagnose it. But, you know, young women, we like to be in control and have a plan and have yes the answer. The plan. So, yeah. So I can only imagine having it be so fast through your treatments and then getting your diagnosis and everything and how much of a, a whirlwind this past year has been for you. But what would you say has been the best thing that has helped you through this part of your journey? Um, I don't know, like myself, like my mindset and everything that I had taken the time to like instill in myself. I think that is the biggest thing, like as wonderful of support that I've had and so grateful that my parents were able to take care of me and work from home you know right now and I could go and live with them for the months of my treatment and all that sort of thing is um amazing but truly it's you know it's really on yourself and so I think to thinking back to how we were talking like what could I have done better is that's really it. Like the only thing you can do better is to take your time to work on yourself and work on your mindset so that regardless of what comes, you know, whether it's a medical diagnosis or there's an earthquake here in your house, you know, like um, crumbles or there's a fire or whatever it may be, you know, you yourself know yourself best and what you need. And, um, practicing on your mindset but also practicing advocating for yourself regardless you know regardless of what kind of adversities you have or what 
minority and you're in or anything like that is advocating for yourself and especially being a young woman woman I have had to do that I had to learn that right quick like there was no other way and I've had so many examples of where I have been treated differently because of that I've been treated you know as like young and you know even just exaggerating, you know, and I have to put my foot down and say, no, like, I know my body. I'm aware of my body. I know this is what I need, or this is actually, you know, this is what I'm feeling. I need you to address it. Um, And that's kind of the biggest thing. Yeah. Because I don't think again, like I said, if I didn't have the same mindset that I did back last spring, I don't think I don't know how I would have been like gone through it. Well, I mean, right from the back, like, fuck yes, it was you. It was all you. <laughs> and you should definitely, we don't, we don't do that self, do, do that enough is give ourselves credit when we should. Like, yeah. fuck yes, you did that the entire time. And even when you were talking about it in our call, <clears throat> excuse me, our calls, it was like, wow, she's really taking, I mean, I don't think ownership is the right word. But advocacy and action are the two words that I could think of is that you took over on that and you were just like, nope, this is how this is going to go. This is how my mind is going to navigate through this. This is how I'm going to, you know, move through this, this chapter in my life. And that was probably what was so powerful about this is that you just, you know, took charge and said, this is what I'm going to do. And what I thought was really cool was that you wanted to provide community and space for other people that were going through the same thing as well. So how did, how was, how's that going for you? So, yeah, this was actually what Cole is referring to is I, one of the biggest challenges that I found with this diagnosis and from the start and I, everything was moving so quickly. So I think too, I probably didn't have I really didn't have much time to kind of research and find more resources that I've found recently. But at the start, it was like, okay, you know, all these support groups and stuff that I was being told to try out, uh, they, it was everyone in their forties plus, and I had experienced such a huge shift in just my goals in life and perspective that, you know, I was working hard and so focused on my career and all of a sudden like this comes up and have to drop everything for that. And I really just needed, you know, like a community, a support group. And I couldn't find that, you know, I couldn't find a breast cancer group for, you know, women in their twenties. And I, you know, through my life coach, Imani, and just friend that I think um, Cola had on her podcast before, but I, and just other friends that I got to speak with, I kind of came up with the idea of starting kind of my own support group. And so I did, and I am so thankful for Tansy for allowing me the space to do that um, within the turn up. And kind of what I realized was, is, is that it wasn't really about the cancer. That wasn't what like I was needing that 
yes, it was so helpful. And I'm so thankful to all the cancer survivors that I've been able to talk to. Um, but it wasn't really about like that specific thing. It was, I realized it was more about mindset and how I was moving through it, whether it's a chronic illness, whether it's um, a major injury or like anything, major surgeries, anything like that. And I realized that in the turn up, we have just this underlying goal of just like self-improvement. And also we are so passionate about like fitness. And I realized that that was the biggest thing. That's what hit hardest. It wasn't like losing my job. It wasn't anything like that. It was that I wasn't going to be able to do what had been my biggest coping mechanism. And I realized that there's so many other women in the squad who lost that as well for whatever period of time, or it's something they struggle with every single day due to chronic illness or injury and they have to modify and they can't do what they were used to. And so and put together, you know, a new like group and we've had um, some great conversations come out of it. And I, you know, in the midst of all my chemo treatments and now, you know, now that I'm feeling better after that, I do um, hope to kind of like expand it and help it grow, but also help grow those relationships. And um, yeah, I just, I think that that unique commonality within the turn up and I'm so thankful to have had kind of a community already to be able to share with. And I was just floored by the amount of people who were interested. It's so amazing. And when you were bringing up in the calls about this group, I was almost like, well, I want to be in it. <laughs> but I mean, you, you want to be able to allow spaces to be sacred for those that can really put a lot into it and get more from it. And I think it's really beautiful that you're able to create something that isn't out there yet. I, I've never heard of a group that will support in such a way. And I would almost um, be as bold to say that you guys are providing almost the same kind of space that's within the turn up in this group as well, where it's empowering, mm -hmm. it's positive, it's vulnerable, it's free. It's just, you're able to come as you are and it's not saying, oh, you have to show up in this sort of way. You have to do this or you have mm -hmm. to pay this to even be a part of it. Like, I mean, and that's usually when you get into these other bigger organizations, when they start creating support groups like that, that's what ties me up on those is there's just too many like requirements, which yeah. I'm going to assume that the group that you've created is just not anything like those and not anything else. So it's got to be so unique, but so powerful, especially for the people that are able to participate in it. So I have, you know, in my mind, I have these high hopes that it will continue to branch out. And I have no doubt that you're going to be able to do that and provide that for other people. And I mean, your, your story is so powerful in in the perspective that how you're navigating through this is applicable for anyone in, in any shape in their life. It's not just you fighting cancer, it's you working on your mindset and doing the really deep diving of almost thinking like, this is just a chapter in my, in my book mm -hmm. and I'm gonna get through this part, but how am I gonna continue carrying the strength and resiliency onto the next? Cause I mean, I, 
when you can feel it from people that they are destined for destined for something great and big, of course, there's going to be a lot, a lot other obstacles. Like when you're leveling up the obstacles and struggles get even more. And so Mm -hmm. in the times that we've been on calls together and even in our conversation today, I'm like, yo, this girl going somewhere. This bitch is doing big things. Like she's (laughs) going to keep going. And then in my mind, I'm like, but in those same spaces, like you end up do finding, you know, the haters that people are going to doubt, but you've created this mindset for yourself and you've grown so much that I have no doubt you're going to overcome it and still continue to do these great things that you've been doing. So what are, what are the plans that you have for yourself now? Like moving forward, you're talking about, you have some more treatments to go through, but I mean, the bigger, the bigger plans, like career wise or dance wise, what, what do you have going on for yourself? It's funny that the, you bring that up because I am such a planner type A personality and I always like I feel like I always had a plan and like there was options or obviously opportunities maybe that weren't part of it that I took and but formulated a new plan and but I never had really I had kind of like hopes and dreams for the future maybe but I never really had like a what's that question of where do you see yourself in five years? I had no fucking clue. And I feel like now, I don't necessarily know where or what I'm going to be doing in five years, but I do know how I want to feel. And I want to say like how I'm going to feel. Like I just want to put that out there and I have, I'm excited for the future. And it's, it's just crazy that that came out of like that excitement for my future and just for life came out of like having this diagnosis and having to go through all of this. And yeah, I do have some treatments. Um, I, you know, I moved back home to uh, live with my family for a few months while I was going through all my chemo treatments and all my surgery and stuff. And now I'm going to have radiation, but, um, in the new year, I'm planning to like move back out on my own. I, um, I just am looking forward to like having my independence and doing what I need to do and really just being able to focus on myself, which I have been doing and like working on my mindset, but working on everything else that I might have been limited to do this past few months. Um, I also, I I just, my biggest thing, yeah, is move out on my own. I want to like travel. I want to plan travel. I want to take time from my career. Like I couldn't have imagined like taking a year, year and a half off from work before. And I don't think, you know, I'm planning to go back to potentially the corporate world world or wherever I go um, for at least another year. And um, it's like liberating to feel that. And also just to know that things will come and like the opportunities will come. And I, there's so much more that I can do. I, yeah, so like big plans in a way, but not anything necessarily specific, you know, I just want to live life and I want to do everything that I can't, everything that I've wanted to and have put off because I'm too busy or 
you know, don't take the time to do it. I think we can get so caught up in the day today. Wow. So I'm very familiar with that question of like, where do you see yourself in five years? I like how you're rephrasing it is more along the lines of how do you want to feel in five years? Mm -hmm. And it's so, even if you can't even think like five years from now, what should I be doing? What, what does the world think I should be doing? But how do you want to feel in five years is so much more inspiring and motivating in the moment than any other question you can ask. Yeah. You could say, Oh, in five years, I want to have a big house and I want to be married and have my dream job. Cool. That sounds really cool. Like, yeah, I could say that. Yeah. That's so (laughs) easy to say, but it's like, how do you want to feel in five years? Like I, I want to feel free. I want to feel positive and energetic and feel like I've made a difference. Like those, those words resonate so much more with me. And I know it'll resonate with so many other people, just the way you phrased it makes it sound so much more powerful. And I mean, that right there just tells you just this, this energy and vibe that you bring, especially even around the topic that we've talked about today. But I mean, again, it's so applicable to everyone and anyone regardless of what they're going through, Mm -hmm. that there's always going to be this hope. There's always going to be a way to get past this. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, because we are, we're raising awareness about breast cancer and just being a little bit more conscious about our overall health. But if I'm thinking back to my mom and her journey. And I don't want to give too much away about this because surprise, surprise, I'm going to have my mom on this podcast, which is going to be really, really cool. But I think back to when she was going through her treatments in the eighties and how aggressive she decided to be with it because she didn't want the cancer to take over and how she felt. And I share this story because there's a point to it is when she lost her breasts, it was when her and my dad had been together for about two years and their goal was to always just have children. They wanted children so badly. Mm -hmm. And so her treatment was having her breasts removed and removed and having a hysterectomy. So that essentially took away their entire plan that they had for themselves. Yeah. And she very quickly wanted to give up on her relationship. She wanted to let, like, let my dad go. And he, when he talks about it now, he's like, I don't even know why that woman would have brought that up. I didn't fall in love with her for her body or the plan <laughs> that we had. Like I fell in love with her for her. Like that was, that's my woman. Like I was going to stick with her and I think it's beautiful, but I can only imagine because I know that this part of her journey will still kind of eat away at her at some, at some points, just with our conversations that we have, but I cannot wait to share this with her because I feel like it's going to give her like a new amount of hope that regardless of the things that have happened so far is that there's still this hope, this mindset that you can have. And I know for her to hear this story of someone so young to be able to have this shift and to still bring this kind of energy that it's going to help her 
heal other parts of her that were affected by that part of her journey. And I think it's just so powerful. And I can't wait to be able to have this conversation with her and to be able to share this episode with her and just to have that contrast between the two. And it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And you bring so much wisdom to this area. Like, I, like it's just not just in this. Like, I can't stress that enough. It's not just in this, in this month. But for people to see this and realize this in every aspect of their life. Like, don't let it be your defining moment. Don't let it be how your story is going to go. Like, you can take charge. And you can determine how you're going to respond to things that happen around you or for you or shit. If you're still in that negative mind space of to you, you can determine how you want to respond to it. And the way that you've done so has been just so amazing to watch. And, you know, I absolutely thank you for taking the time out today and for sharing your story and sharing all of your just all of your gems of wisdom and all these nuggets. It just, it's so beautiful. And this is such a heavy topic. And I really love being able to end these types of conversations with rapid fire um, questions. And this is a challenge in itself because most people I talk to are very much like me. So when I ask questions, it's really like hard to really narrow down answers, but I challenge people to only use two to three word answers. Okay. So here we go. What's the phone app you use the most? Messenger. Would you rather cook or order in? Cook. How do you take your coffee? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> do you sleep with a flat sheet? Why or why not? I didn't used to, and then a boyfriend of mine did. So it eh, depends. I kind of got used to it. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know why. I I think it makes sense in some context, but I'm used to like duvet covers because I'm European. So there's no point for a flat sheet. So I kind of like duvet covers better. Yeah, it sticks with the blanket and it just doesn't yes. separate and get away from. Exactly. Yeah, that makes total sense. What's your favorite way to unwind? Dance dance so doesn't it kind of go into the next question I dance have or like singing in the car that's that's a good one too oh yeah so last one do you have a fav- favorite type of exercise Tansy's listening <laughs> I know I want to say dance fitness but honestly I gotta say it's like swing dance like that if it's an exercise like that's exercise I count that as exercise. Absolutely. As much as I want to say turn up all the time, turn up forever, turn up his life, I will probably almost always go back to jujitsu. So, I mean, it's okay. And I'm pretty sure she's like, it's okay as well. But (laughs) all right. Well, again, thank you so much. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? And like, also, how can they follow you, see you, catch up with all the things and just your parting words? Uh, I guess this is a thought that kind of came up as we were talking, but of just that life is like meant to be felt. It's not about, you know, all the accomplishments and stuff. And yes, like 
we want to leave our kids with a bit of a legacy or something. But if you feel your feelings and if you feel what you need to feel and how you want to feel, those kind of will come along with you. So I, that's kind of my last message, I suppose. And um, I am hoping to start maybe like a blog or something. So, or I don't know, some way to be more public about it, but um, I'll let Cola know if that comes up. But I think, yeah, for now, I don't really, I'm not really on social media or anything, but um, we can list like an email or something in the podcast if you want to shoot me a message and chat. Awesome. I will definitely make sure to link her email address because of course you have that support group. So if there's any listeners that are looking for a space like that with cancer, chronic illnesses, injuries that they're trying to navigate their way through, and you're just looking for other people that are trying to do the exact same thing, she's got you. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. And lastly, I feel like I don't have to explain this because we, we do quite a bit of this. What would be your I am statement? I thought a lot about this. I have to say, um, which one do I want to be like immortalized on a podcast? Um, my I am statement is that I am a force to be reckoned with. Fuck yes. Love it. <laughs> Love it. The I am podcast was created and produced by me, Cola Shippentower. You have to be your biggest fan. And when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working, but there's something inside of you that says, I just have to follow that because you don't know who you're going to